This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Read from John chapter 17. This is Jesus' prayer recorded for us beginning in verse 20. John 17, beginning in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Well, this morning our topic is Compelling Christian Community. Uh, We're about halfway through a series on the 10 markers of a healthy missional church. And people ask me, Pastor Todd, what is your vision for Community Covenant? My vision is that we would become a healthy missional church. Now, healthy means pursuing Christ. Missional means pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. How many of you have come to Community Covenant... um, since last May. Just raise your hand. Any of you? Okay, there is a significant amount of you that have come since last May. All right, to church. How many of you are new to church since last May? A few of you. Okay. Well, this is going to be a bit of review for us. You might recall last May we had a workshop called Veritas. Now, Veritas is Latin for what? The truth or, or truth. And that workshop was conducted by a man named John Wenrick from uh, the Covenant uh, offices, denominational offices in Illinois. And he oversees the Department of Church Vitality. And John came and taught the Veritas workshop. Now that workshop was designed uh, to help us identify exactly what kind of church we are at Community Covenant And then to determine, based on what kind of church we are, uh, to determine what kind of church we want to be. And that was just a great workshop. Uh, If you didn't have the opportunity to attend, John's going to be back in October when we have the follow-up to that called EPIC. That's Empowering People and Inspiring Change. That's going to be on Saturday, the 18th of October. And the Friday night before the 17th, John is going to be here in person again, and he's going to be teaching a condensed version of Veritas. 
just to refresh our memories and get us ready for the epic seminar on Saturday. So, all of this, Veritas and Epic, uh, becoming a healthy missional church, um, wanting to pursue Christ and His priorities in the world, are a part of a journey that we're on together, on a vitality pathway. And so on this vitality pathway, we have Veritas. That's what started us on that path. Uh, We're doing this sermon series about the ten markers of a healthy missional church. Uh, We're going to be having the Epic workshop coming up. Uh, In between Veritas and Epic, we have what's called a vitality team made up of members of the congregation uh, that are helping us to just really evaluate where we are as a church internally, externally. We have a team that's committed to helping us develop an attitude of pervasive prayer because in whatever we do, we need to be a prayerful church. Uh, We've got a group looking at uh, the history of our church and then trying to look through Scripture and say, you know, in Scripture, as a congregation, what biblical story might we identify with? And so on and so forth. We have a communication team. And so this whole group called the Vitality Team is designed to to help lead us through uh, this process, which ultimately uh, will help us identify where we are as a church and to further develop in those areas of the 10 healthy missional markers. All right? Hey, I am so looking forward to John coming back on the 18th, or the 17th and the 18th, actually. Uh, He is just a passionate, dynamic uh, leader, and he is committed to helping us grow uh, in our spiritual vitality. So you'll be hearing more about the Epic uh, Workshop. I would encourage all of you uh, to come to the Friday night if you miss Veritas, uh, to take that Veritas uh, on Friday night again, just the condensed version, all right, the Reader's Digest version, so that you would be ready uh, to participate in Epic. You know, one of the, one of the wonderful uh, parts of this whole experience is that as we go through the Vitality Pathway, um, it's the congregation that is leading and out in front and owning the ministry and people like uh, Ted and others. Um, one of the things I, I want to remind us of, it's a little bit different than what we've been doing. Uh, we have a, a, a prayer team as a part of that Vitality team, and we want to be a church of pervasive prayer. We want to prevail in prayer. Uh, prayer isn't just a part of the ministry. It, it really is the ministry. It's the foundation of everything that we do. Okay? Uh, it's about pursuing Christ. It's about pursuing His priorities in the world. And, and prayer uh, is just imperative. It's, it's essential if we're going to do those things. And normally, uh, there's a time of prayer available after the message, during the song, people can go back as the Spirit of God moves them to be prayed for. But what we're doing now is we're saying, hey, listen, any time during the service, uh, whether it be during a song or the, the message, if you feel God prompting you to prayer, uh, you want to, to pray about something or to be prayed for, just encourage you to get up, go to the back, and there are members of the prayer team uh, there by the cross through the whole service, to pray for you any time that God may be prompting you to prayer. All right? So that's a, that's a part of, of that. As I said, we're about halfway through a series on the 10 markers of a healthy missional church. Just let me go over them with you again. 
these are the ones that we've done so far. The centrality of the Word of God, life-transforming walk with Jesus, intentional evangelism, transforming communities through compassion, mercy, and justice, global perspective and engagement. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about compelling Christian community. Next week, heartfelt worship, then sacrificial and generous living and giving, a culture of godly leadership, and fruitful organizational structures. All ten of these are markers of a healthy missional church. But this morning, we are going to be talking about compelling Christian community. You know, it's interesting to me that when people get near the end of their lives or they're facing a momentous occasion, they often have important things to say. Uh, I can think of uh, some famous last words that were intended to inspire. I remember when I was a little guy studying uh, history of the Revolutionary War, there was a man named uh, Nathan Hale. Do you remember him? And uh, he uh, was executed by the British. He was a patriot. And do you remember his famous last words? I regret that I have but only one life to give to my country. Okay? Those are famous last words. Those are words intended to inspire and those who heard it that they might live their lives in the spirit uh, and the commitment of those words. Uh, Something more recently, as we've just passed the anniversary of 9-11, you might remember a man named Todd Beamer on a flight that had been hijacked, that was uh, had been turned around. It was flying above Pennsylvania, heading for the capital. And as the uh, small group of passengers, it wasn't a very full plane, had a plan. They, they went to seize the cockpit. The last words of Todd Beamer were, do you remember? Let's roll. All right? And we think about what happened and about the heroism of, of those passengers and the crew. Um, Those are words that inspire. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get into the mind of Jesus in the the moments before his uh, arrest and and crucifixion? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to get into his mind and and hear his last words and know what what he's thinking about? How many of you think that would be a great opportunity? Guess what? This morning we have that opportunity. Uh, We are looking at John chapter 17, which is a part of the gospel of John that falls into what we call Jesus' farewell discourse. Now, chapters 13 through 17, Jesus is spending and dedicating that time specifically with his disciples. Uh, He knows his time is short, and he wants to make sure that his time with them is valuable and he can emphasize the most important things um, before he's arrested and crucified. And so this morning, we're looking at what's called Jesus' high priestly prayer. Uh, We know that Jesus was not only a priest, but the sacrifice, right? And normally the priest would consecrate the sacrifice. And Jesus, in that high priestly role, uh, was an intercessor 
And not only is he intercessing, but he's intercessing for himself, for his disciples, and for all those who would come to faith in him in the centuries ahead, okay? In preparation for his own sacrifice. So if you have your Bibles with you or your electronic reading devices, well, isn't that something? It used to be simple. Just open your Bible. Um, to John chapter 17. Also, if you would find um, John's letter called 1 John, which is towards the back of the New Testament, you'll want to find chapter 3 of 1 John and put your finger in there because we're going to be referring uh, back and forth to that here this morning. Okay? So this morning we're looking at Jesus' high priestly prayer. Now, verses 20 through 26, specifically, Jesus has finished praying for himself. He's finished praying specifically for his disciples. But in verses 20 through 26, Jesus is now praying for all those who would believe through the ministry of his disciples. Uh, You know who that includes? Us. This is Jesus' prayer for us. We have the opportunity here... To, to get into Jesus' mind and to his heart and to know specifically what it is that he desires for us. These are his famous last words concerning us. Does that sound great? That we have that opportunity this morning? So I'll be going through this passage again and just making some observations for us that, that really get at the heart of what compelling Christian community is. Now, if there are two words that would describe this passage this morning, they would be these. Two words. You might want to write these down. When you think of John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26, Jesus' last words, what was in his heart in prayer as he went to God the Father before his arrest and crucifixion, These two words, are you ready? These two words are at the heart of compelling Christian community. The first word is unity. Unity. The second word is love. It is unity and love that are at the heart of compelling Christian community. Community. It's, it's the engine of that community. It's the very core of that community. It's, it's uh, in biological terms, remember science? The mitochondria, right? It's uh, the energy part of the cell. That's unity and that's love. And they're important things for compelling Christian community. That's why Jesus, in his prayer as he prayed for us, was praying for those things. The church is a single visible community in which all believers become one person in Christ Jesus. Isn't that interesting? That we can be many, but yet we're one. One person in Christ Jesus. It's the the community of the church. And so Jesus begins in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone, them alone, he's praying, or he's talking about those he just prayed for, the disciples, his disciples. 
I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. That all of them may be one. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you get that? In order for the world to believe, right, that Jesus is God incarnate, that He is King and Messiah, that He is our Savior. In order for the world to get that, to believe that, you know what they need to see in us? Unity. Now, this isn't a unity that's birthed through our own effort, through trying to be unified. This is a unity that Jesus is praying for in which you and I are invited to participate in the unity that has existed through all eternity. It is the unity that's found in the Trinity or the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-eternal, co-equal, co-powerful. Three distinct persons, yet one. It's a mystery of our faith. We call it the Trinity. But the Trinity has existed together in unity for all eternity. And so when Jesus is saying, Lord, I'm praying that they may be one as you and I are one, what he's really praying is that, that you and I will enter into that relationship, that mutual relationship of love that exists between the Father and the Son, that has existed from all eternity, that we become a part of that eternal fellowship. Is that exciting? It's a unity birthed in God through His Spirit. And so he says that all of them may be one, just as the Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Part of that holy fellowship, that we're in them. Why? That the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, verse 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Now, in this context, you know what that glory refers to? The excellence, the entirety of God's character. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate, manifested the fullness the excellence of God's character. And so here in verse 22, Jesus is saying that I have given them the glory. I have given them that character. How does He do that? Through the Holy Spirit. 
And, of course, in Galatians 5, we know about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. All of that is fruit of the Spirit that's, that reflects the excellence of God's character in our lives. And so just as Jesus exhibited that, so we too, in that unity, in the fullness of the Spirit that dwells in us, would exhibit that too. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete what? Unity. Can we say that together again? Complete unity. Okay? They may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The world will know that God sent the Son because of our unity, because they're going to witness our lives, our unity together. And it's going to be a heavenly unity, a godly unity. It's going to be separate and different from the unity that's expressed by people who are just trying to get along together in their own strength and power. Does that make sense? It is the very life of Christ manifested in us and through us the excellence of God's character. And people are going to see that and that's going to bear witness to the reality of who Jesus Christ is. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Get this. Think about this. Think about the love the Father has for the Son. Think about that. It's existed for all time, for all eternity. What it's saying here is that we would understand and that we would know that the same love that the Father has for the Son is the love that the Father has for us. That's a part of that holy relationship that we have entered into that Christ makes possible, that the Holy Spirit in us connects us to. To think about that. For God so loved the world that He did what? He gave His only Son. That's how much He loves us. With the same love that He has for the Son. That's powerful stuff. That's good stuff. And it reminds us of John 13.35. says that The world will know that we're Jesus' followers. How? Because of how smart we are? How well we know the Bible? How much we serve in the church? How much money we put in the offering plate? Which, by the way, brings up a a subject. The PFDs are coming, right? And it's supposed to be double last year. And you might notice here in our... our, um, our bulletin, our worship guide, our, we're a little bit behind in giving. Um, if just everyone would just give a portion of that extra bounty, we could catch up very quickly. But that's another sermon. All right. Verse 24. He says, Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. 
Wow, that's powerful stuff. That's where you turn over to 1 John 3, 2. All right? And what he's talking about here is the, the, the exaltation that will be his as a result of our salvation that we would, what, sit and be with Christ in his glory for all eternity. And he's praying for us, not only that we would experience a, a taste of that now in our unity and our love and our relationship with each other, but that we would enter in someday to the fullness of his glory. Do you know we're going to do that someday? Now, later on, John writes this in 1 John 3, 2. This is so cool. Aren't you glad you're here this morning to be reminded of this good stuff? 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, oh, and he is coming again, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Okay? We get a taste of that glory on earth, but we enter into its fullness with Christ in heaven. Good stuff. Verse 25. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. Verse 26. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order, now get this, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself might be in them. Now, it's very interesting. Romans 5.5 5 says this, that, that Christ in us is the hope of what? Glory. The very thing that we've been talking about this morning. But even more so, as we think about this, the love you have for me may be in them, and that I may be in them. We think of that, again, that inner fellowship that we have with the Trinity that we're a part of. Okay? That intimate, deep relationship. And, and really, what this gives a, uh, an illusion of, or it, it, it causes us to look back to, is uh, Exodus. In Exodus forty thirty four, you might recall, after Moses had given the law... What happened? In the camp of Israel, there was set up a tent of meeting. And in the tent of meeting, there was a tabernacle. And it was there that God reminded of the people of Israel of his continual presence with them. Remember that? And there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that they would know and be reminded that he was among them and that he was with them. Now, Jesus comes into the world and he's Emmanuel. He's no longer the, the cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night living in the tabernacle in the tent of meeting. That he becomes flesh and actually dwells and lives among us. Right? Isn't that great? That just as God was present 
there amongst and in the nation of Israel. So now he becomes and he's present physically in flesh. And then the Holy Spirit comes and enters into our life. And just as God was present there in the tent of meeting, in the tabernacle, so our hearts become the place where God now is present and dwells. And it's because of that that we manifest His glory, that people see in us the excellence of His character. That He's with us, He lives in us, and He enables us to be unified and to love. 1 John 3.16 Now, John 3.16 is a passage about God's love. Well, 1 John 3.16 is a passage about God's love in us. Here it is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Did you get that? Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, I can't lay my life down for anyone else. Because part of my my nature, I think, and all of our natures is to preserve ourselves and look out for ourselves. But we have a higher calling. And we can live into that calling because it is Christ who lives in us. And just as Christ laid down His life for us, so we then too, in a display of that excellent character, are to lay our lives down for one another. First John three sixteen moves into eighteen, and it says this Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. Action and in truth. And he goes on in four seven. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And so we hear that. We ought to lay down our lives for each other. And that in order to do that, love has to be a denial of self for another's gain. It is doing what Jesus himself would do. And so we see the last words of Jesus. That not in our own strength and power, but in the power of the one who lives and dwells in us, as partakers in that holy fellowship, that the excellence, the excellence of our lives and our character would be put on display for the world to see, anchored in unity, expressed in love, that by that, the world would know, the world would know that God sent His Son into the world. Amen? Amen. Just quickly, as a part of a community that's pursuing Christ and His priorities together in the world, uh, I'm going to be offering uh, this class. It's called Job Shadowing, and it's uh, Walking with Daniel. And Daniel lived in a very secular society. He was a man of God, and yet he prospered. And, And really what this book does is it teaches us how to live for the Lord and prosper in the workplace or in the world around us where people may not share our faith. 
This is a dynamic study. It's a book study. It's going to be Tuesdays from 6.30 to 8. You can sign up online. You can buy the book online or at the kiosk or buy it on Tuesday uh, when you show up. But just wanted to to give you um, an invitation to attend that class. Let's come on up, worship team, and and let's, uh, let's finish. Let's pray together as the worship team comes up. Lord, thank you so much for the reminder that we are a part of an eternal holy fellowship. Lord, one in which your excellence is put on display for all the world to see. One in which we, your church, are unified and love one another. Father, would you help us to grow into that? Would you help us to move into that? For that is essential It's imperative if we're going to pursue your priorities in the world. Thank you, Father, for the life that you give us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.